Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Luke chapter 24 is where we're at today. Verses 10 through 35 will be our text, verses 10 through 35. And the message is entitled, Jesus is Risen. So we're going to celebrate it early this year. We'll celebrate it again on Easter, but that's where we're at. So always the last one there to make sure you get there. You there? Okay, we awake? All right, church. Come on now. Verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene. Now we remember that name, hopefully back in Luke's chapter, Luke chapter 8. Mary Magdalene was the one that Jesus delivered seven demons out of. A lot of people think she was the prostitute at the well. That's not the same person. She was the person that Jesus delivered seven demons out of. And Joanna, Joanna as well, was mentioned back in Luke chapter 8. And she was actually the manager of King Herod's affairs, so very bright woman. And the Mary and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told what? These things to the apostles. Well, well, what things? Well, everything that is recorded in verses one through nine. Well, last year, last Easter, we actually preached this passage, verses 1 through 9. So I'm not going to unpack it this morning, but you can go back to the archives if you want. But listen, uh, we'll go back and read it just so we're up to speed as we come to our text. So hop up to verse 1 with me. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. That is, listen, have you ever forgotten the words of Jesus to you? Have you ever forgotten his promises during your day? Oh, how we need to remind ourselves. Verse 9. Returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, that is the apostles, and to all the rest. And so these women, they go and they see that the tomb is empty and the angels speak to them. And so they are unbelievably excited and they come back to speak to the disciples because they have the greatest news ever, right? Jesus is alive. He's conquered sin and death. They are beyond excited. Verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and 
the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them, what? An idle tale, and they did not believe them. Now, the Greek word for idle tale is actually a, a medical term. It, it referred to the babbling of a fevered and insane person. And so here's what's going on here. Uh, the apostles, you know, full of faith and humility, I say that sarcastically, <laughs> are gathered together. And here come these women, and they are speaking forth their, their testimony, and, and here is the apostles' response, you know. Uh, here comes the women. Here comes the drama. They're all emotional. They saw something. Now, I believe that the Bible teaches the headship of man. And listen, the world doesn't like it. The world doesn't approve of it. But the Bible clearly teaches that the man is the head of the home and, and head of the church. And yet here, what we see in this moment is a negative example of headship. That is, the apostles were sinning against these women. They were not honoring these women. They were not listening and, you know, honoring what they had to say. Now, listen, their, their hearts were full of unbelief, so that was a factor. But even with that, they weren't listening to what they had to say. They were demeaning their testimony of Christ calling it just emotional, basically calling them a bunch of drama queens. And so, gentlemen, this is a huge highlight to us of how we need to make sure that we are full of humility, that we are fully submitted to Jesus, that, that we are humble before our wives, humble before those to whom God has put us over as, as other women in our lives, that we are full of the Holy Spirit so that, listen, so that we actually honor them, so that we actually truly love them, that we actually respect and listen to what they're saying because this is, this is what men do when we're in the flesh. This is what men do when, when we're in pride. We, we demean them. Verse 12. But Peter rose. That is, at some point, the Spirit got through to Peter a little bit. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He he saw the linen cloths by themselves. By the way, it says that's plural. You know, the whole, uh, what's that, Sharan, Torah, cloth thing. It's, it's, not, it's not real. There were many cloths. There wasn't the shroud of Turan. That's what it is. It's not real. He went home, what? Marveling. That is, listen, he, he knew something spectacular had happened, but Peter still... He still doesn't believe. And he went home marveling 
at what had happened. Now, the other gospels let us know that Jesus appeared to the disciples multiple times. And Luke here actually lets us know that Jesus went and privately appeared to Jesus. He had a private conversation with Jesus. And so it's actually down in verse 34, so you can skip down to there and, and, and I'll show it to you. But it's also recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to look at that later. The Apostle Paul also references this private meeting that Jesus had with Peter. But verse 34, it says this, saying, that is, what's happening here is there's two followers of Jesus that are talking, and, and listen, we'll get there, and, and, and we'll unpack these two followers, but the, these two followers, they're talking about Jesus, they've left Jerusalem, they're headed down to Emmaus, and, you know, they've heard about the women's testimony, and they even heard that supposedly Peter had a, a private appearance with Christ, but they didn't believe it. But now they're coming back up to Jerusalem here in verse 34 because Jesus has met with them and Jesus has talked with them and Jesus told them that he met with Peter. And so they are affirming that here in verse 34, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to whom? Simon, that's another name. That's his other name. That is Peter. Now, why is that significant? Well, because the last time that we saw Peter here in the Gospel of Luke, he was saying to Jesus, listen, Jesus, I'm your man. You know, these other guys, they're schmucks. They might give up on you. Remember that? You know, but, but Jesus, I'm, I'm in it. I'm here. I'll die for you. I will never deny you, Jesus. And he was totally sincere in that. He, he wanted to be that guy, and, and Jesus knew that. And so Jesus looked back at him compassionately, trying to prepare him. And he said, Peter, listen, you know, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And listen, Peter did. And it says in the Gospel of Luke that at the moment that Peter denied Jesus the third time and the rooster, uh, the rooster crowed, the that Jesus' eyes and Peter's eyes locked in. And it says, as Peter looked at Jesus, that he went out and he, he wept bitterly. And so listen, if there ever was one man who failed so miserably, if there was ever a guy who needed to know that his biggest mistake of his life was fixed because Jesus was alive. It was Peter. And so the Bible tells us that, you know, Jesus met with Peter privately. He restored Peter privately, and we, we don't have the details of that conversation. I mean, obviously, it was very personal. And then we also see where Jesus restored Peter Publicly, and we've already talked about that in past sermons. You know, at the end of John's gospel, uh, Jesus instates Peter publicly before the other disciples. You remember he said to, to Peter, do you love me three times? And then he responded to Peter, then, you know, feed my sheep three times. Now, here's my point. Jesus met Peter 
in the worst failure of his life, in his greatest disappointment, in, in his greatest wickedness and sin against the Savior that he loved. And he healed him and he restored him. And so listen, this is what I know because Satan does this to you and I. And so perhaps this morning, you feel like, you know what? I, I feel like I've let the Lord down. Maybe you feel like you've let the Lord down in, in the last year. Maybe you feel like you've failed so miserably. It's like, man, you know, I don't know. What's the point? You know, I, I'm not sure that God can even use me. Well, listen, that's, that's exactly how Peter felt. And the truth of the matter is, you know, just like Peter, you need to know. You need to know that Jesus is alive. And listen, that changes everything. It changes everything for you right now in this moment. Listen, he will heal you. He will restore you. He will forgive you. He will use you. Listen, just turn to him. Just turn to him, confess your sin, and listen, he will be there. Do not let Satan keep you down the road. We, we start sinning, and we just think, what's the use? I don't know my way back. Listen, you're never too far away from Jesus. Just turn, and he will be there, and he will meet you in that moment with his love and forgiveness. It is only the devil that is telling you you're too lost. It is only the devil that is breathing that confusion and failure and you're no good into your mind. Just, just turn and come home. Verse 13. That very day, two of them, that is just, you know, two anonymous followers. I love that because I can relate to that. We're going to a village named Emmaus, and it was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, I love that, because the truth of the matter is, listen, when two saints are talking about Jesus, Jesus joins in. He's in your midst. Have you ever felt that before? For sure. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And so these two disciples, they're, they're leaving Jerusalem. They're, they're headed to Emmaus because, well, it's over. You know, I mean, they thought that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, but he's dead. So, you know, they're, they're, they're moving on. They're, they're headed out of Jerusalem, and, and they're just kind of talking about what had happened, and, and they're grieving. They're, they're, they're sad. And, and so Jesus joins them along the road, and he says, hey, you know, what, what are you guys talking about? And, you know, what are you so bummed out about? Verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, and 
He said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? That is, did you just crawl out from under a rock, man? Where have you been? Verse 19, and he, that is Jesus, said to them, what things? Now, I have a hard time imagining that Jesus wasn't smiling when he said that <laughs> as he's playing along with them. And, and listen, he's doing so for their benefit, right? I mean, obviously he knows, and he knows their heart. He's, there's just benefit in them speaking it. Verse 19, and they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Verse 22. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. He's talking about Peter. And so Jesus listens, and he listens, and, and then he speaks to them, verse 25, and he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in what? All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That is, listen, the Bible is all about Jesus. That is, all the scriptures reveal and point to Jesus. And Jesus is saying here specifically, the Old Testament is all about him. And he's saying, you know, those scriptures that you've studied all your life, they say that I'm supposed to come and suffer first, and you would know that if you would have believed them. That is, you kind of cut and paste what you wanted to hear. Take a look at verse 27 again. And beginning with Moses, that is, listen, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and all the prophets, that is, listen, the Old Testament ends with the major prophets and the minor prophets. So Jesus is saying here, listen, from Genesis to Malachi, that is, the entire Old Testament, it is all about me and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them. Now, this is important, particularly in our day, because there's a popular idea today to divorce the Old Testament from modern Christianity. In order to make our faith more palatable, in order to make it more easy for modern people to believe in Jesus. 
to, you know, unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament and all its, you know, messy, antiquated ideas about gender and, and marriage and that wrathful, mean God and, you know, creation. All that stuff that's just messy to modern people just doesn't set well with our sensibilities. And instead, what we need to do as the church is, listen, we need to start with people's felt needs. And we need to tell people, we just need to talk about how, we just need to talk about Jesus, how Jesus loves them and and how Jesus just affirms them for whoever they are and and how Jesus wants to bless them. And, And listen, that's all true. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the whole picture. That's not the whole story. And so listen, these teachers and preachers and ministries or churches or whatever, their desire is to be relevant to culture. And so, listen, there's nothing wrong with being relevant to culture, but we've gone too far. There's a correction that is needed here. And so, listen, the biggest churches in our area, the biggest churches in America ascribe to this philosophy but we need a correction here because the problem with the idea of somehow divorcing ourselves from the Old Testament is that is not something that Jesus would affirm. Jesus says the Old Testament is all about him. So if you want to talk about Jesus you got to have the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus quoted the Old Testament extensively in his teaching. We have seen that in the Gospel of Luke, have we not? You can't separate it out. And, and I would add on top of that, uh, I went through Genesis. Oh, it's been a while now. By the way, this is the 106th message of Luke. Well done. Um, but I would add this. In the book of Genesis, every single major doctrine of our faith, hear me, every single one of them, every single major doctrine has its first mention in the book of Genesis. So, so follow me here. For example, I'm going to use headship because it's in this passage. We brought it up. For example, in the area of headship, the Bible says that men and women are equal in value. They're equal in essence. They are equal in importance, but they have different roles. The man is the head of the home and head of the church. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, his argument is, That is because he grounds it in. He says, listen, it is that way because that is the very nature of God himself. That is, the Father is God and the Son is God. They are both equally God. They are equal in essence. They are equal in power. And yet, the Son chooses to submit to the Father. 
They are equal, and yet they fulfill different roles. And so he says, he appeals back to Genesis, and he says, the man and the woman are created in the image of whom? God. We reflect the very nature of God. The fact that we are equal in value, equal in essence, and yet we operate in different roles is the image of God. And so listen, this is why Satan seeks to destroy that. That's why he seeks to wipe it away and call it antiquated. That's why men, you know, in sin abuse it. Women in sin don't respond to it. That's why it's a big mess. But listen, under grace, under the power of God, listen, that is how we reflect who he is. And then he says, on top of that, his other argument is, it's also seen clearly in the order of creation. And so again, he appeals back to Genesis and he says, that is, God created Adam first. And listen, he argues that in 1 Corinthians 11 and Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy 2, just for a few places. And so listen, headship is clearly taught, and it transcends, listen, all time and all cultures. Why? Because it's from the beginning. And so here's my point. You do away with Genesis, you get rid of Genesis, and now you can adjust our Christianity. Now you can adjust our faith to whatever culture it needs to fit in. So, you know, that was then. This is now, bro, times have changed, you know. They were dumb, we're smart, we're enlightened. And listen, it's not just headship. Uh, That's just an example. That's all the doctrines they're throwing under the bus, whether it be your gender, whether it be a marriage between one man and one woman for one lifetime. They're throwing that all under the bus because that was then, this is now, because they're cutting that off from the Old Testament, just saying that was a bunch of, you know, ancient people who didn't really see the way the things that we see them. But we still want to believe in Jesus. Now, here's my point. The Bible is all about Jesus. All of Scripture points to and reveals Jesus. So if we do not teach and preach all of the Bible, if we do not believe all of the Scripture, now here's the hard statement, then we are believing in and following and teaching a different Jesus and a different truth than what the Word of God reveals. Take a look with me at verse 25 and 26 again. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in to glory? Now, there's just a million places that Jesus could have gone in, in making his point here because we've just said, you know, he's, 
He's all over the, the Old Testament. I mean, he's the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised, but he crushed the head of the serpent in Genesis 3. He's the blessing of Abraham to all the nations in Genesis 12. He's the high priest to the order of Melchizedek. He's, uh, he's the one who wrestled with Jacob, right? He's the lion of Judah. He's the voice in, in the burning bush. He's the Passover lamb. He's, he's the captain of the army to Joshua. He's the ultimate kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth. He's the princely Messiah in the book of Daniel. He's the suffering servant in Psalm 22. He's the great shepherd in Psalm 23. You could just go on and on and on because Jesus is on every page. So I want us to look at just one passage where they should have known that indeed the Messiah would have to suffer if they believed all the scriptures that were in their hands. And so kind of keep your hand here because we'll come back, but turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And this is just one passage. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5, if you don't find it, it'll be on the screen. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5, it begins speaking of the future Messiah at this point. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are Now, that kind of sounds like the last few messages we've had in Luke, does it not? For sure it does. Now, turn back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 again. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he... He what? Interpreted. Now, this tells us how Jesus taught them. And so in doing, he's also teaching us how we should teach the Bible. That is, the Greek word for interpreted there means to stick close to the text. (laughs) Stick close to the text. And so listen, when you're teaching in the Bible, when you're teaching it to your children, when you're teaching it in a a ministry here at church or wherever, listen, this is what we do at grace. As people of God, we we stick close to the text, right? We we let the text speak for itself. We're, We're not interested in our own opinions. We're not interested in a bunch. We're just gonna just stick with the truth. The truth and nothing but the truth, Your Honor, right? With a stick to the text. 
verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. While he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and and he vanished from their sight. That probably made an impression. <laughs> they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the 11, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now take a look again at verse 32. I just want to highlight this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? That is, they're saying, you know what? Their hearts were on fire. Well, well, why were their hearts on fire? What caused their hearts to be on fire? They say, he opened to us the scripture. That is, they understood it. That is, Jesus was their teacher, and that would be an amazing Bible study to be a part of. Jesus was their teacher, and he opened the word so that they understood it. Well, when Jesus ascended to heaven... He gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And the Holy Spirit also gives gifts to some preachers and teachers who have that gift. And so the Holy Spirit opens the word to you and I. And so listen, it's that combination of the Holy Spirit and the word that fuels the fire within your soul. And so listen, if you've ever said, man, I just, I just want to be more on fire for Jesus. Anybody? Anybody want that? I hope so. Like two people want that this morning. <laughs> Anybody want to be more on fire for Jesus? Amen. Yeah. Well, listen, how do we do that? Well, we open up the word. We, we do what we have been doing right now. That is, listen, the word opened the word understood fuels your fire for Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.